That's what she said. Episode 8.0, The Merger. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... That's what she said! <laughs> Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy Roll around town like a hero I got you on my mind Just like all the time Pedal down, nowhere to go I just came from your place Welcome to the eighth episode of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your Human Resources Coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the eighth episode of Season 3, entitled The Merger, which aired Thursday, November 16th, 2006. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to witness the joining of this lovely couple in merged bliss. Scranton, do you take Stanford to join your branch, to love, torture, and humiliate them, to make things not better but worse, as long as you both shall live? You do? Really? It's the moment we've been waiting for, folks. Jim is back, bringing trouble with him. Will things go as smoothly as Michael hopes, or will we suffer a quickie divorce? One thing I do know, Ed Helms plus Rain Wilson equals crazy delicious. Lots to discuss, lots to talk about, so let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? And joining me this week, as usual, is our junior sales associate, Ian Castleberry. Ian, how you doing? Good, Matt. How are you doing? I'm coming down off the ledge. Otherwise... All right, all right. <laughs> Got a nifty uh, gifty bag here for you. Maybe that'll make you feel better. Oh man, it's mostly pencils and coupons, but uh Oh really? I got I got some pens <laughs> mine. It's better than nothing, I suppose. <laughs> oh man. Pitch. Well <laughs> I feel like I'm about to drop a bomb on uh, on us here, but uh what'd you think about the episode this week, Ian? Well, I'm I'm a little more worried about how uh how you're doing. <laughs> well, um, whatever do you mean? I, I like the episode. Um, I thought it may have been the best of the season. Um, really? But yeah, I uh, like I said, I'm a little worried about you. Well, um, I, I, I thought maybe I was going to have to bring over some uh, some whiskey and soup. But, man, well, I, I refilled I my I refilled my Zoloft prescription on oh, Friday, okay. so I'm uh, I'm feeling a little bit better. Um, if you don't follow along with what we're doing there during the week, uh, you might be surprised to find out. Uh, what Ian is talking about here, and basically what he's talking about is the fact that after initially viewing the episode on Thursday, I uh, went on the blog and made the comic book guy announcement of calling this the worst episode ever. Which, ever. Uh, <laughs> which, uh, looking back on it, I, I you know, I, obviously after rewatching it, I've mellowed. Yeah, my, you want to dial back on that statement a little I've bit? I've dialed it down a little bit there, Chachi. Um, I'm doing okay, and... Again, as I said to you before, part of my reaction as to why I, I felt such such a way about it is just simply the fact that, you know, after a really long kind of crappy week, uh, after all the hype and the build up and waiting for this to happen, I came home from work, uh, ordered myself a pizza, sat down, 
and was ready to just kind of laugh my ass off. And unfortunately, uh, on my initial viewing, there were very few actual laughs that I, I got out of the episode. And I think that that's why originally I, I felt such a negative reaction. Now, going back, as I said, now watching it two or three more times since then, I've mellowed quite a bit on, on my reaction. And, you know, I, definitely, again, it's not one of my favorite episodes of all time, but it, it you know, like the last two weeks, is a very plot-heavy episode. It's very plot-driven, and it serves a purpose of getting us from point A to point B. And so a lot of things are new, a lot of things are going on, a lot of things are happening. And a lot of things have to be established. Right. And so while there are some good lines and in, in, in some good gags in this episode, we had to get through a lot of that stuff. And we had to go through all the new people coming in and all this other kind of stuff happening. So I don't know. Like I said, I, I've mellowed. So let's just go ahead and move on with our analysis. So Get basically, some Cavassier next time you're watching. <laughs> it just smooths you right out. Uh, I don't know about that. It's anyway. good enough for rappers. It's good enough for you. Oh, what would Stanley say? Um, <laughs> all right. Well, what's the plot this week? Well, I let's, do not uh, find that. <laughs> you blew it. Yeah, I did. Totally. Anyway, uh, plot line this week. Well, let's uh, let's let Jim and Michael explain what's going on. The Stanford branch is closing, and everybody's just packing up their stuff. Andy Bernard made these tasteful hats. My branch is absorbing the Stanford branch, or as I like to put it, my family is doubling in size. You know, a lot of these people. This is the only family they have. So, as far as I'm concerned, this says world's best dad. So like always, I mean, this is the same thing we've been talking about for the last eight episodes is the fact that, you know, Michael views the office as his only source of friends and family. So a little bit of a projecting there, perhaps. Definitely. A lot of of these people don't have family, so. (laughs) He's just been more excited about his branch resorbing the little baby branch from uh, Stanford. Now his branch has the strength of one full branch and a little baby branch. (laughs) Uh, that's a good reference. Although the Stanford branch is technically, I think, was bigger and uh, had a better market, according to what Dwight said anyway, in an earlier episode. Just for the vagaries of Josh being a dick, we have Michael and his office absorbing these guys. Now, as you can tell, I mean, again, just from that beginning line, talking about how it's a family, how, uh, you know, he's the world's best dad or what have you. He's He's setting this up where you know something's going to happen where he's going to try to make everyone like him again and and really try to go over the top to win these people over. And that's, right. of course, right where everything goes wrong. Back in Stanford, then, we have the office getting all packed up and, and ready to go. And Andy, always looking for an edge, confronts Jim. Yo, Tuna, I want to talk to you about this new boss, Michael Scott. Yeah? So what's he like? Likes, dislikes, favorite sports, favorite movies, favorite men's magazines. You know what? I think you just need to meet him. Playing your cards close to the vest, I get it. Good luck over there, Tuna. Cross me, and I will destroy you. Sounds good, Andy. And I want to take this time to to, to uh, eat a little crow here, because uh, originally both you and I were, were kind of reticent to see how Andy fit into this new universe uh, we didn't believe that he was necessary, that he was just a duplicate Dwight. And 
the truth of the matter is that Andy is fast becoming my favorite character on the show. So I don't know what they're doing, but Ed Helms is rocking my world. I definitely agree. I, you know, I, I should have a, some of that crow too. Um, but you know, I don't think we were completely far off either. I mean, the, the fact they do kind of occupy the same role, and I, <laughs> I think we saw them both fighting for it. You know. Yeah, it's like we said. I think we said this before, right? There can be only one. They're in the pit. They're battling it now in the in the arena to see who's going to survive. Oh man, that movie I would see. <laughs> uh, yeah, who who will be the number three in the office? And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But yeah, Ed Helms. I mean, he he had all the best lines this week. Jim and Pam, they were all wrapped up in their business, and everybody else. Uh, Michael was going a little over the top, and you know, Andy. Just he won. I don't know. He won me over so so quickly with his his winning ways. Just like Michael, I found myself uh, won over by this. And he just laid on the charm for you. I know he laid it on thick. Well, so what's Pam up to? What's her reaction to this now? Well, I'll let her say it. Yes, I'm in a good mood today. I'm excited to meet all of the new people and to see my old friend again. Definitely. That's always the thing that makes people happy, to have an old friend back. Now, for the love of God, Ian, why are they still pretending like they don't care about each other? We have it on film. We know that they did all this stuff. We know that they've confessed their their love and likes and all these things. So why are they still, pardon my French, fucking around? Maybe they just wanted... Maybe they just want a fresh start. But she can't even just come right out and say, yeah, I'm happy that Jim's coming back. Um, right, she couldn't even say his name. Like, or oh, I, say his name. I, I'm really happy to meet these new people. Yeah, right. Like, she cares about who these new people are. Let's face it. I mean, there's only one reason that she's happy, and there's one reason that she's been thinking about this the last two episodes. And, you know, for the love of God, just come out and say it, Pam. We know who you're talking about. So, oh, these two Playing crazy cards kids. close to the vest. I know they're never, never going to make it happen. As the new people start winding their way down to the office, uh, Dwight, of course, steps up and suggests that immediately they should fire one of the new people. And in particular, they should fire our friend Tony. Um, And why does Dwight think that's a good idea? Well, the Japanese camp guards of World War II always chose one man to kill whenever a batch of new prisoners arrived. I always wondered how they chose the man who was to die. I think I would have been good at choosing the person. Now, besides being a very demented, sad look into Dwight's inner psyche, uh, terrifying. Uh, why? Why do you think he picked uh, our friend Tony to be the one <laughs> to be axed? Because uh, obviously know, he hadn't but... known him at this point. So I'm curious as what his mindset uh, would be there. Um, maybe the, did they have photos? Maybe. Uh, yeah. Maybe it was like that scene in Animal House where Flounder's photo comes up on the <laughs> on the pledges, you know. And no, probably not. Okay. Um, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> in any case, <laughs> in any case, like I said, uh, just a scary glimpse into uh, Dwight's inner thought process. Now, uh, I don't know what's up with this man. He's got Grandpa Mannheim, who I think was an escaped Nazi war criminal, and uh, and he's admiring the Japanese and war camp uh, commandant. So Dwight has a. Uh, some problems. Let's go back to our man Andy, who gives his philosophy of uh, how he's going to win Michael over because he is not going to let Jim get the best of him. I'll be the number two guy here in Scranton in six weeks. How? 
name repetition, personality mirroring, and never breaking off a handshake. I'm always thinking one step ahead, like a carpenter that makes stairs. That's got to be the quote of the episode right there. <laughs> like a carpenter who makes stairs. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant analogy. Yep. And, you know, Andy to me is just kind of like this uber salesman guy. He's got like the whole uh, Glengarry Glen Ross kind of thing going on there with his, uh, you know, his, his winning philosophies on how to be successful. And what's great is that we see him use all these techniques as he gets into the office, you know, especially that personality mirroring. Any of you kids out there wanting to get ahead in the business world, Andy's the man. Well, Ian, let's update our corporate rosters here in Scranton. We have a bunch of new employees to take care of. And rather than just refer to them as the breast pump woman and the black guy, let's uh, learn who these folks are. First up. Ah, ding, 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 our first arrival. Welcome to Scranton. This is Hannah Smotridge Bar. Hannah Smotridge Bar. Welcome to our humble abode. Follow me to your desk. Your ball and chain is right over here. So Hannah Smotridge Bar. Uh, Anybody with a hyphenated name is trouble. Definitely not, right off the bat, not really excited. Disses the Nifty Gifties. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Michael went through a lot of trouble. He went through a lot of trouble to get those coupons for the Scranton Hotspot. He did. Where did he get all those bags, man? <laughs> I'm sure Pam took care of most of the work. But, you know, I mean, again, right off the top, she comes in. She's definitely... Not real happy. Doesn't seem really excited about being there. This is the the bag of gifts, and um, you know, as we go along later in the episode, she uh, causes a few problems and uh, is victimized by our friend Creed. Take a picture; it'll last longer. I'm sorry. It's just it's a little distracting. Ditto that, my brother. Look what's on his computer. What is that? A squid's eye or? It's my left breast. How did you right place at the right time? <laughs> that uh, that sound will haunt my dreams. That breast pump sound, and and later in the episode, she's just sitting there with a the thing whipped out, pumping away, and uh, invites Ryan to uh, <laughs> to take a picture. Now, unfortunately, she didn't know where she was sitting because Creed took her up on that offer, obviously, right. with his. Uh, Sweet digital camera, the same one that he was using last week to uh, put all the office equipment on eBay, apparently. Yeah, we didn't know from Ryan's side which was more distracting. Was it the visual or was it the uh, noise of the pump? Yeah, I think they both go hand in hand like chocolate and peanut butter, my friend. Uh, I know we could be getting into some uh, sketchy territory here as to whether or not somebody has the right to you know, whip out a breast pump wherever she wants to. But part of me was thinking, you know, would she really be just right there at her desk, facing out into everybody doing that, you know? Wouldn't she exercise at least a little bit more discretion than that? See, I guess this is where we get uh, chastised for not having our female point of view on the show. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the proper protocol is for... Uh, well, let's, uh, yeah, we can put it to the uh, listeners. Would you lactate in public like that? Would you lactate at work? <laughs> yeah, especially next to Creed. <laughs> well, next up, Tony Gardner, who will play a much larger role, no pun intended, in the later oh. part of the episode. Ah, there he is. Tony, what's your last name? Gardner. Gardner. I knew that. There you go. Gift bag for you. <laughs> okay. okay. So let me show you to your area, sir. Come on, big guy. 
So, man, right off the top, then, uh, there you go, big guy. I still find yeah. that funny that uh, that this guy who was <laughs> in that one episode like two weeks ago asking for Karen to stick her skinny arms in the chip machine, he actually made the cut to come down to, uh, I don't know. As a Great pair of hawks on that guy. <laughs> as a guy who's been called big guy myself uh, for many years, it's not envious of that position, definitely. Uh, nor, nor am I. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> Well, next up, of course, we have the meeting you thought would never happen. East meets West, good versus evil, Karen versus Pam. Hi. Hi. I'm Pam. Karen. I love your sweater. Oh, thanks. My mom made it for me. Really? That's so cool. I've always wanted to learn. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Take me to your leader. Oh, wait, I am your leader. Uh, Wait, are you a robot or a Martian? I am actually your boss, Michael Scott. Welcome. Wow, you are very exotic looking. Was your dad a GI? Or? Okay, so we, we had that line in the <laughs> promo, and that's still one of the most cringe-inducing things to say. Um, after going through Diversity Day and learning all he can about Diwali and everything else, Michael's still just... Uh, and he <sighs> should have known better. Pam's look said it all to him. Yeah, Pam gave him that disappointed mommy look. You know, aside from that... Oh, though, she that, is very exotic looking. Well, that, that's true. Uh... Quincy Jones is a handsome man, so... And Peggy Lipton. Hot! Oh, in any case, uh, aside from just this totally inappropriate, politically incorrect line, it also does give us some insight into uh, our little rivalry there. And, uh, you know, I think they they obviously wanted to set it up where, you know, Karen and Pam just hit it off. And so there's no animosity there, and they don't want us to... to, uh, I guess feel more positively towards one or the other. They're both, both pleasant. Uh, but what else? The other thing I want to bring up is uh, Ian. You want to talk about that whole uh, thing that you mentioned to me this week? This whole team Karen, team Pam stuff. Oh yeah, there's a. You mean the, the there's a website. Um, they made these T-shirts because uh, these two blogs. They realized that as they were talking about the office that. You find yourself taking a side, so you're either for Karen or for Pam. So there's this site that sells these T-shirts where you can uh, wear your preferences on your chest, so to speak. And um, man, you know, like I said, I, maybe we should look into making up our own T-shirts like that. But you know, how much of a die-hard team Andy? How much of a die-hard do you have to be to have like your team Karen T-shirt? Which is going to be like a pop culture reference that's like so ephemeral. I mean, what's that going to be? Uh, you, you can know, wear I that almost, shirt for like three weeks before you have to throw it away. I almost ordered one, except I didn't have extra large. So I, I don't know. <laughs> which one would I have ordered? Come on, you know which one. Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm my, uh, I'm changing. We'll talk about this a little more later, but Pam's definitely not... Uh, not coming across as the office sweetheart that she wants. Actually, was, I so. think maybe this is something we can talk about later too. But I think talking about whether it's a whether you're on Karen's side versus Pam's side, I I almost think that's the wrong battle, so to speak. I think it's it's really coming down to whether you're on Jim's side or Pam's side. Hmm, that's interesting. What do you mean by that now? You know, do you think Jim's being kind of a jerk, or do you, you know, do you th- do you think he should just kind of let Pam off the hook? Or, you know, do you think Pam kind of deserves what she's getting for breaking Jim's heart in the first place? Or do you say, okay, Pam, you know, she's paid her due, so to speak. She's been through a lot. 
Oh, man. Well, yeah, we will get into that a little bit more later, but uh, some food for thought. I I don't know. Both of them, both Jim and Pam, really didn't come across that uh, intelligently in this episode, even though I think that they were both trying to protect themselves as well as others. But uh, we'll get to them in just a little while. Let's go down our roster. Our next new attendee, of course, is our old friend Andy. Hello. Ah, you must be Andy Bernard. Aloha and welcome. And you must be Michael Scott. Aloha and hello. <laughs> Very good. Welcome to our little kingdom. Uh, we have a bag of nifty gifties for you. Michael, thank you for welcoming me to your little kingdom, Mike. Oh. Nifty! They are nifty. They're nifty gifties. You know who I really like is this guy, Andy Bernard. He has got this very likable way about him. And you know, I know that we're supposed to be watching that thinking, wow, what an, you know, Michael's an idiot and Andy's such a suck up and everything. But damn it, I can't help but smile at that scene. He's actually trying to be a nice guy, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. I just I have to wipe <laughs> off my microphone. I just vomited all over it. <laughs> Come on, man. He's playing along. He's at least trying to get along with uh, with his Suck boss. Ah, uh, well, you can obviously he's got a goal of 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 getting ahead in the office, and and we we see his personality mirroring technique there firsthand, and it's brilliant because it does exactly what he wants it to do, and uh, he gets Michael instantly on his side, instantly liking him. Uh, to the point where he's he's become the new favorite, basically. You know, he's uh, you know not even Ryan's not even in the picture anymore. All that much. No, early. you're right. Though I mean, if, if you want to like be kind of serious and say tactically or or whatever, yeah, I mean, what he, what he's doing is brilliant. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know, man. I just that, again, this is the thing I was talking about is why the first time I watched the episode, why I enjoyed his scene so much is that before this, we just get these dour, you know, these kind of dour people coming in, trudging in, and like, oh, we're in the office, oh, you know, you sucky pencils and blah blah blah. And you have, I don't know, Andy just comes in, he's like this real kind of goofy, funny guy trying to be positive. I don't know. He he lit he uh embiggened my soul, I guess, let's just say as I watched. Well it's like we were talking about a little bit earlier, you know, people looking for a fresh start. I mean this is an opportunity for Andy to reinvent himself in a way. I mean, you know, maybe in Stanford he'd kind of settled into his role and, you know, Jim was on the on the rise. But, you know, he can start over over in Scranton. Yeah, I mean, I think he was pretty. So excited. I think he was pretty much of a suck up in Stanford as well. With, uh, you know, you remember? Did you hear me, Josh? You remember that <laughs> line? <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. He's just he's a guy that's trying to get ahead, and he's using all those proven business but, manual. Right, techniques. he was a suck up in in Stanford, but maybe in Scranton he sees another opportunity for his sucking up to actually lead to something. Yeah, uh, definitely. From the way things are going, I mean, Michael, Michael definitely loves the guy. Um, our next. New employee, Martin Nash, I presume. This is a little gift bag for you, free of charge. Follow me. I will show you where all the slaves work. Not so. Your desk. Ooh, most Ooh. painful, politically incorrect comment. Uh, Does that top yeah. the GI comment or, or not? What do you think? I think so, but yeah, I mean, he <laughs> obviously saying it to someone else. You know what I mean? He obviously didn't mean to say it in that way. That that right. we all cringe at, and he even realizes that he said something stupid. As soon yeah. as he says it, he's like, uh, uh, no, not that way, uh, <laughs> I'm telling you. And uh, so Martin Nash, 
another hilarious scene. And we might as well talk about this right now because it's a totally visual gag. Um, and we don't that have was my favorite there. scene in the whole episode. Yeah, later on, you know, uh, he, we have that scene where he's sitting, uh, we show him sitting next to Stanley, and then the, the camera kind of zooms back, and we see Martin there, and, and he catches Stanley's eye, and he gives him a little two chest thump. You know, like, hey, brother, how's brother, it going? Man. And uh, Stanley just, he just looks like, disgusted. Oh. You know, like, Are you kidding me? Don't even. Oh. Love <laughs> and look. Martin's little grin just crumbles. Actually realizes that, uh, you know, Stanley, uh, Stanley's an acculturated guy from a different generation. Uh, he's married to a, a white wife, and uh, he's not one to put up with uh, all that kind of stuff. I guess. So what Martin should have done is go over to Stanley's desk and uh, admire the picture of his daughter. I'm sure that would I'm sure that would have smoothed things over really well. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the best part of my morning staring at it. That's for sure. <laughs> it's coming down right now. Yeah. Oh man. It's funny that he brought it back. We we did get to see that picture again at uh, the last episode too. So so there's no again there's no racial. No racial clicks or anything going Let's on. Put a poll on this side. Should Matt? Should Matt do a whole episode as Stanley? <laughs> I do not find that funny. <laughs> I don't know. Let's go over to the water cooler. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Uh, <clears throat> we need to keep all the listeners we have, my friend. Um, so, last and certainly not least, but we I have do like Andy Bernard. <laughs> Sorry. We have again the the return once more of the prodigal son Jim. No way! Get him out of here. We don't want any of this kind in here. Good to see you, man. Okay. How are you? Hi, I'm Jim. I'm oh new here. Oh my God! It's really you. <laughs> yeah, I was just doing a little joke there about how we had never met. I know. I don't uh, care. Awesome. Good to be back. The place looks really good. It's really good to see you. You too. Where do I stand with Pam? Um, no idea. I mean, we're friends. Always have been friends. Um, that is where we stand. Oh, Jim. If you want her... Pam was totally adorable there. I don't know. That was the only time in the episode where she actually was positive and just had a real, like, her old winning ways, uh, where she was just very exuberant and just very open, very happy. You know, she's kind of, like, done with Jim's bullshit. Like, okay, I don't want to play along with your stupid little we-don't-know-each-other game. Let's, uh... (laughs) Let's be happy and let's hug and everything else. So, you know, obviously that was a very, very warm welcome. And you think that maybe Jim would get the hint about what was going on. I don't well, know. Maybe he's just not ready to. Uh... You know, and I want to get into this a little bit later. Or maybe we just get into it right now. But because, um, you know, a lot of people, I'm not sure what Jim's doing here. Now, obviously he took the job. He must have taken the job because of thinking of Pam. I mean, am I right? Probably, but you know, he may have taken the job because it's a promotion. It's it's back to an area he's familiar with. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, yeah, Tim probably had something. To do well, with I mean, him. he said you know he didn't want to go back for personal reasons, and then he ended up ultimately deciding. And and I guess maybe he just decided, you know, oh, I'm being stupid. It's a good job. I whatever. Yeah, I should just maybe he thought Pam. maybe he thought he could deal with it until he actually saw Pam. And and this is kind of the problem is this is when everything kind of goes wrong. And this is why, you know, that's the moment I think that all the Pam and Jim fans, or the Hell Peasleys, as I've dubbed them, uh, oh my God. 
Yeah, uh, this is where all the fans were, were looking for, the, re- the big reunion, and the reunion there lasts for about 20 seconds, uh, and it instantly starts going downhill from there. Who else is glad to uh, welcome Jim back? Well, 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 look what the cat dragged in from Stamford. Hey, Dwight. Fact. I am older. I am wiser. Do not mess with me. Okay, sounds good. What are you doing? I don't know what you're talking about. Why are you looking at my forehead? I'm not. Meet my eyeline, Jim. I am. Stop acting like an idiot. Okay. Meet my eyeline, Ian. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's, uh, you know, it's funny that that was exactly, uh, exactly mirroring the earlier scene with Andy, telling him basically the same thing, that he was going to crush him, destroy him if he gets in his way. So, you know, again, Dwight and Andy, two sides of the same coin. And it's, it's sort of interesting and sort of amusing how easily Jim can screw with Dwight. Oh, yeah, it's so easy for him. And I don't even know, again, I guess you have to be somebody like Dwight to actually be bothered by that, because I, I'm kind of thinking to myself, you know, if somebody did that to me, I'd just be kind of like, okay, whatever, <laughs> and leave. No, but, I'd uh, be like, what are you looking at? I, mean, you know, <laughs> I thought it was going to be something about his receding hairline, which maybe Dwight's insecure about. Well, I guess that's the beauty of it is that uh, if you're an insecure person, you just have to, you don't even have to actually have anything in mind. You just hint at that you're being critical and the other person will fill in the blanks for you. Back to our same old stuff with Dwight and Jim. And I'm going to play this next one because this is uh, two more people from the old office that meet Jim. And and I I find this first scene a little little bothersome and we'll talk about that in a second. Hey, Toby. Hey, Jim. Oh, wait, man. Oh, really? That's good. Good. Hey, you. Hey, welcome back. Oh, is that like a new thing, or...? No. I'm sorry. No, it's cool. No, it's nothing. Well, it's just... All right, good. Good to be back. Okay. All right. All right. Sorry, sorry about that. No problem. Was... What? Nothing. Yeah! Surrey! Oh! oh, my God, I have so much to tell you! Really? Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes, they had a baby, and they named it Surrey. And then Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, they had a baby, too, and they named it Shiloh. And both babies are amazing. Great. What's new with you? I just told you. So what's up with that? Is Jim just being a I, dick, or what? You know, that's, the thing with Kelly is, okay, she's an idiot. I, You know, that's all par for the course for her. But the thing with Toby, I really found that kind of bothersome is the fact that, you know, Toby is just genuinely pleased to see Jim. And he, he, he puts out his fist to give him, like, the little respect knuckles. And then Jim just looks at him like he's some kind of idiot and just makes him feel so, so terrible so about himself. I think he was just surprised to see Toby do that. I mean, I was. I uh, guess. You know, you're right. I mean, he didn't have to point it out. You know, he could have just done it. And, I mean, he and he made. See, the thing is that I guess the reason why I thought it was kind of, kind of mean a little bit is the fact that he, you know, he, he, uh, he leaves him hanging, and then he comments on it, and then Toby feels dumb, and then, and, and then after all that, then Jim like looks at the camera again, gives him kind of like this little, sort of what he does whenever he screws with someone or does something that he's. Well, that's what Flanderson gets for trying to seem cool. Well, that's what Flunderson gets for trying to score on Pam, I guess, right? Oh, yeah, good point. And we forgot about that plot line. It's kind of funny that they have not really brought that up in the last uh, Never five episodes. I don't know when was it. Yeah. But, man, yeah, they didn't bring that up, but that's always lurking in the back of our minds. And as we said, you know, Kelly is Kelly, and she's stupid. So got to love that Tomcat. 
But I guess I'm just saying I, the whole leaving Toby hanging thing. I, that didn't bother me that much. Uh, not cool, Jim. Not cool. Well, and you're not cool, Toby. <laughs> he's not, but you don't have to point it out, man. He's trying. <laughs> he's trying his best, for the love of God, to just get through the day without uh, without killing himself. I think. He took away the Kama Sutra for God's sake. Well, I know, and and he also had his dreams dashed of uh, going to Costa Rica and living on the beach. So, yeah. <sighs> man. Anyway, well. So Jim and Dwight and, and Toby and Kelly and all those guys meet up, and let's uh, see what happens when our friend Andy meets his Dwight. Hello. I don't believe we've been introduced. Dwight Schrute, Assistant Regional Manager. Andy Bernard, Regional Director in Charge of Sales. So you'll be reporting to me then? Mm, on the contrary. My title has manager in it. And I'm a director, which on a film set is the highest title there is. Do you know anything about film? I know everything about film. I've seen over 240 of them. Congratulations. And uh, I'm going to dedicate that quote to uh, to listener and uh, friend of the show, Sam Van Halgren from Film Spotting. Sam and I <laughs> had a little chat on Monday night. We went to uh, catch a flick at the UW Milwaukee Theater, and uh, I just I thought of him when that when that clip played. I know everything about film. <laughs> Is that how I've he introduced seen, himself? Yeah, exactly. He was just like that. I know everything about film. I've seen 240 of them. <laughs> You're just holding his handshake. Good for you. Good Congratulations. For you. Yeah, and that was... No, I'm just kidding, Sam, of course. But uh, I thought that was, again, yeah, the two alpha males who uh, meet for the first time, and, and neither of them will disengage the handshake. So they sit there for five minutes, pumping their hand up and down. I wonder how that actually broke. I mean, who... Who gave up first? Yeah, good question. I've been so sweaty. We'll never, never know. But that sets up an interesting plot line and uh, through the rest of the episode where Dwight and Andy go back and forth. This kind of leads into uh, a little bit more than with the Pam and Jim interaction. Pam purposely goes into the back of the break room to talk to Jim and sort of gets rebuffed. Hey. Hey. What happened to Grape Soda? Oh, yeah. I'm trying to move away from that. Getting into more of a bottled water phase. Wow. You've changed so much. Well, I'm evolving, Pam. So when do I get to hear everything? Are you still getting unpacked, or you want to grab a coffee or something after work? Oh, um, tonight, actually? No, I'm, I'm just still getting settled. Oh, yeah, so. no, you know, whenever. Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry no. to interrupt. I Nope, you're not interrupting anything. Okay. All right. I should probably get back to work. Yeah, no, me too. All right. The day's going fine. It's been a little chaotic, but it's fine. It's great. A lot of distractions, but it's good. All right, I think she's trying a little too hard to be positive there. Obviously, she came back to the break room with the sole purpose of talking to Jim, inviting him out, you know, hey, catch up. This is her big chance. So she takes the proactive step and is shot down. Uh, no coffee, you know, oh, I'm busy, whatever. Now, this leads into this, because I, I have an interesting thing I want to bring up, Ian, and okay. and we might get into this a, more later, too, but I, at the end of the episode, Jim says that uh, he is seeing someone, right? Yes. And, of course, we all assume that he's talking about Karen, but I've had right. other people, I've, had, I've, I've read a few things out there where people are saying that uh, he only said that and didn't really mean it. He only said it for Pam to supposedly make things less awkward between them. I guess thinking that if she thought he was 
going out with someone that she wouldn't think he was trying to stalk her or uh, or what have you and that they could get back That's to being friends. That's an interesting theory and I think it's one reason why this whole thing's so great to to watch. But then um, I mean again, why would if if he if he really did want to have something happen or, or want to rekindle something, why would he rebuff rebuff her offer to get some coffee? Just to so that he, you know, won't get hurt again. He doesn't want to Maybe know. he's just not ready to to have coffee with her yet, you know, like Pam's kind of hoping that things can pick up where they left off or maybe even get better, and Jim just, you know, for Jim, things have changed. Well, for both of them, things have changed, obviously, but, um, yeah, I, I I find myself relating a little more to Jim, I guess, in that scenario. Well, I mean, so is that what he's thinking in the back of his mind? He's just thinking, well, she just wants to be friends, and I don't want that, and I don't want to hang out with her if that's the way it's going to be. I don't know if that's what he's thinking, but I, well, I think what he's thinking is he's just not ready to be buddy, buddy with her. I suppose. But I mean, if he still likes her and, and, and this seems like a, you know, a definite overture of saying, Hey, well, the question becomes, is he really going out with Karen? I happen to think he is. I know well, some people aren't sure. Well, that's the question that I brought up because uh, obviously in the episode, as we go along and we see some, some visual clues that again won't translate into the podcast. We see her, you know, in the in the meeting room. She gives him a piece of gum and, you know, uh, rubs his back, and, and that's basically where Pam freaks out or her whole world falls apart when she sees that. I think later on, and also then at the end is where where uh, you know Jim said no, he doesn't want to go out for coffee. But then at the end of the episode, he says, "Hey, uh, I'll go over to Karen's house and we'll hang out." And she invited him over. So, are they really dating or not? I. I don't know. I can see it both ways. He's more comfortable with Karen now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he doesn't have that baggage, at least. And I, you know, I think they're dating. I mean, that back rub thing, I don't think two just work buddies. That seemed like a pretty intimate gesture to me. Right, yeah. I don't know. Because I, I, that's, that's what I thought originally, but then when I read that, that uh, post, I thought, mm, you know, I can see that. Maybe he is just playing it off because... There's a lot of different... Interesting theories I've heard, too, you know, like was Pam late and getting out to the parking lot because she'd been crying or something like that? That's going a little too far. I don't know if I'll speculate that hard on that. But um, definitely, I mean, an interesting question on this whole triangle already, you know, what's what's really going on. And we'll come back to that in a little while. Um, so getting back to the main plot line, um, you know, Michael calls everyone in the, into the conference room to set up a the new employee orientation. And, and, you know, this is one of the best lines from the, from the episode. Um, I might want these orientation materials. Wrong. Toby, this is an orientation, not a orientation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, Flenderson, you cannot oh. win. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to rehash this whole thing because uh, we're going to play the song during the Jim's iPod segment, but... You know, they go into the meeting room, and, and Michael's put a lot of effort into this little uh, lazy Scranton parody video. And, you know, I thought I, I think it's kind of interesting that we can trace this, because you remember uh, when they were waiting in line for pretzels? Yes. Like Kelly, Kelly was standing behind him, and she was explaining to oh. him about Lazy Sunday. Oh, I didn't uh, put that together. And so yeah. I'm wondering if that's when he, like, he, she forwarded him the link or something like, you know, <laughs> nine months after the rest of the world had... Uh, had found this interesting, and, and that's where he got the idea from, or if he just knew it all along. Um, I imagine the Scranton Chamber of Commerce is all over that, by the way. 
You know what? I don't. I'm sorry. I just even if if I was sitting in that conference room and my boss played that, and he obviously said it was supposed to be funny, and he said he did it to be goofy. Uh, you know, how, how could you not just crack a smile at how stupid that was? Everyone sat in there so stone faced, like. Oh my god, you know, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Everybody who works in Scranton, who has worked with Michael Scott before, knows that this is what he is. And I don't know. If I were sitting in that room, I probably would have been horrified myself. But why? What in the hell have I just gotten myself into? I mean, I've sat through a lot of boring-ass business orientation meetings. I mean, I don't know. It's just stupid. Even if you just were laughing at it instead of with it. I mean, uh, I don't know. Anyway, I know that they had to, for the plot line, they had to make everyone find it ridiculous because otherwise, you know, we wouldn't have gotten that reaction where everyone starts to hate. But yes, let's give Michael Scott credit for trying to make orientation videos, which are horrifyingly boring. Oh, man. Uh, So what did... uh, Some funny. So I thought it was pretty funny. Ian apparently didn't find it funny. What did Jim think of the whole thing? It reminds me of the orientation video Michael showed on my first day. The Scranton Witch Project. I am so scared when people don't label their personal food. <laughs> uh, that's awesome, that man. Uh, come on, how can you not like that guy? I don't he could know. have used a little more snot running down of his nose there. He makes work fun. That's all I can say about Michael Scott. Sign me up. Well, you know what? The rest of the episode then we have, again, going back to the plot line where Andy and Dwight are fighting for control to see who's on top. Dwight busts in on Michael and demands answers. We need to talk. Which is higher, assistant regional manager or regional director in charge of sales? I told you the titles are irrelevant. They just relate to pay scale. Okay, so who gets paid more, me or Andy? It is not a matter of more or less. Your pay is just different, okay? Okay, who reports to who? I don't care, Dwight. You all report to me. That's all that matters. The rest of it, just work out amongst yourselves, okay? And then work it out I amongst want... yourselves. I... Please, I have a company to run. Will you let me run the company? I... Will you? One, please. <laughs> Again, it's not a matter of more or less, Ian. It's just that you're paid different. <laughs> you're paid that's differently. That's actually pretty, a pretty deft touch there, I think. Michael. <laughs> yeah, that's def- you know definitely corporate BS kind of talk. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, I, I guess it's a sign of weakness that he doesn't have any kind of structure in the office. He has no delegation uh, in the office at all. So he's the one in charge and everyone else, uh, you're all the same, pretty much. Until those delegations are forced upon him by one Ms. Levinson. Or unless he makes a bad decision, such as, uh, we'll see later on, he blames Dwight for his bad idea. <laughs> You know, one other thing I wanted to bring up again, we talked before when we were talking about that scene in the break room with Jim and Pam, you know, Michael comes in there and interrupts and he kind of says, it's it's really heavy, a heavy pause in there because he obviously knows right. all this stuff. You know, Jim un, uh, unburdened himself during the convention episode and said that the reason that he quit was Pam. And so it's very loaded when he comes in there. I mean, he knows and he's like, oh, oh, you know, I don't mean to interrupt anything. And maybe that's that forced the whole awkwardness of the situation where they're, you know, instantly aware of this whole, like, oh, he knows about this. And man, I don't Real know. Or Jim just says, don't. After everyone then leaves the conference room after Lazy Scranton, uh, we get some interaction then between the other new people and the Scranton people. And um, some of them are more successful than others. Hey, buddy. Anything new to report? 
Do you mean to me, from you? Because that's how it works. Sure thing, buddy. Am I trying to get under his skin? Yes. Because the angrier he gets, the more marginalized he becomes. Meanwhile, Andy Bernard is out there laying on the charm. Hey, Angela, check this out. It's my new screensaver. Oh. Do you like it? I do like it, actually. Thank you. You have such a pretty smile, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. This is why I love Andy Bernard, because the dude, he's just like got Dwight figured out psychologically, and you know, not only is he going after Dwight's job, he's going after Dwight's girl. Moving in on his girl, oh. and it's just brilliant because you know, Oscar had that huge stink about Angela's jazz babies poster, uh, and and Andy just moves in there, and he has no qualms about setting his his uh, desktop wallpaper to a, a kitty cat with a cowboy hat. <laughs> And a bandana around its neck. You know, if there's anything to get to the heart of Angela, there you go. And, uh, again, totally... Potentially sexually harassing comments. Totally wins her over, man, right there. And I don't think she smiled the whole episode, but... (laughs) But that was the thing, you know. What a pretty smile you have. That's why Andy's the master of BS in the office. Laying on the charm. Laying on the charm. That's what I do every day. How's that working for you? Yeah, we talked about that last week. My uh, <laughs> my plans don't work too well. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, Dwayne, Andy, and Angela getting along. And uh, how about Karen? Oh, what's that smell? What smell? It smells like a funeral home. Oh, I'll help you find it. Oh, you know, never, never mind. What is it? I I, I think I'm just allergic to your perfume. My perfume? It's just my crazy nose. I'm um, used to different smells. Bob Vance bought this perfume for me in Metropolitan Orlando. It's made from real pine. Who's Bob Vance? You have a lot to learn about this town, sweetie. I don't know who these new people think they are. I've sat down with Phyllis's stinky perfumes for years. Never said a word. People hate people that are different from them. That's natural. But you know what makes people forget their differences? A great show. That is why I created the Integration Celebration. This is the moment when Scranton and Stanford come together as one, united in applause. So there you go, some conflict between Phyllis and Karen. And I just, I think that line is hilarious. You got a lot to learn about this town, sweetie. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. You can't cut out somebody's perfume, though. Come on. Stanley is, he's like one of the stars in this episode, I got to say, that, uh, you know, he comes forward with his, I don't know who these people think they are, line, and, uh, you know, he's right. I like that, people. He's the voice of reason in this episode, you know. He's the voice of getting along and just doing your job and not worrying about any of the other kind of stupid crap that pops up and you know to be fair karen as soon as she realized it was phyllis's perfume she was she was aghast that she had made such a blunder right Um, unless you live within the 20 mile radius i don't know if you know who the hell knows who bob vance is you know well she got pulled in later on probably by (laughs) that's true you know he bought it in metropolitan orlando (laughs) it's made with real (laughs) pine Uh, i don't know if they've ever seen a pine scented perfume before but uh I'm glad Phyllis can pull it off. And, you know, the, the funny thing, again, the, the total visual gags is when Michael is giving his, 
you know, his talk there about uh, the integration celebration. We we see all the the Stanford people reacting to our hometown crowd. Like Stanley is sucking a Jello, like a Jello jiggler thing, just with his lips, not using a spoon. And uh, <laughs> Creed's like laughing his ass off on the phone and doing nothing. And all oh, I don't know. It's just they have every right to be disgusted by the non-professional behavior of this crazy office. So we're getting back into that. You know, Michael just set that up right there, this celebration that he's hoping is going to bring people together. And um, unfortunately, it does not work out that way, and it starts with our friend Tony. Tony, please join your cohorts on the table, if you would. Uh, This is difficult for me. I understand. We're all friends. No, I mean I can't physically. I can't get on the table. You know what? I'll help. I will help. No, please... Dwight, let's do this. Do come this. on, come we're on. doing this thing. Ready? Let's get up. On three. One, two. Bend the knees. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I'm under this. I'm under this hawk here. I don't know what I'm grabbing here. All right, all right. Stop. Put, put me down. Push it. Push it. I'm right in your crack. Put it down right now. Put it down. You got it. You got it. Put me down right now. Okay. Okay. Easy. I'm sorry. Don't. It's just not going to work for me. What? I have to go. I can't work here. I have to quit. You can't quit on the first day? That's heresy, my friend. Okay, listen to this. What happened? I mean, what? It's just your management style. My management style? Oh. Don't bother quitting because you're fired. Excuse me? You are fired. I'm sorry, but we don't have quitters on this team. Just clean out your desk. There's nothing in my desk except coupons. Don't try to apologize to me, man. It's too late. Just get out. Take your bad vibes with you. Man, it is too late. Uh, you know, obviously that scene that must have been totally improvised. All that stuff that they were saying, because you could hear you could hear Steve Carell like start to laugh. I'm under this hawk. <laughs> he's like, I got this hawk or whatever. And then, he, and then he says, I don't know what I'm grabbing, but it feels good. You can hear him laugh in the background, and he's like, I'm in your crack. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that was awful. This is ridiculous. And you know that scene, I mean, doesn't that totally echo the gay witch hunt scene with with the Oscar? Oh, with the kiss, yeah. Yeah. Just the whole, you know, like, oh, get off me, you know, don't touch me, and that kind of stuff. And, you know, the thing is, Tony actually is pretty nice about the way he wants to quit. Uh, but, you know, you insult Michael, he takes that personally. You don't like he him. Was, yeah, he was doing fine until he said it's your management style. Right, and he was, you know, once you say that, once you uh, criticize him, once you attack him personally in any way, then you are out Dead. the door. <laughs> and that kind of starts the ball rolling downhill. Um, Hannah then, you know, is disgusted. You know, oh, Tony's right, this place is dysfunctional. Uh, everyone's just kind of negative and, 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 you know, having a bad attitude. And so, of course, Michael <laughs> delivers one of the saddest, you know, most pathetic lines of dialogue from this episode. Back to work. We don't have to get along. We just have to work together. No, we do have to get along. Can't we all just get along? Or have we forgotten the words of the Reverend King? The word merger comes from the word marriage. And that was what today was supposed to be. The loving union between people. Instead, it has become like when my mom moved in with Jeff. And once again, it becomes my job to fix it. You gotta love that line. We learned a lot about my folks. I know his. his uh, he just had a sad, sad life. This guy, and you wonder why he's why he's so 
just desperate to please people. I think that we can write a whole psychological paper on this guy. Someday maybe we'll get flashbacks. <laughs> well, we did. Like I said, we we saw little Michael in that one video from last season on the Fundle Bundle show. Uh, but and, and we've seen him in the 80s with the sweet, you know, the nice mullet. Mullet, but otherwise we haven't seen too much about that. But yeah, I mean, I, of course, Stanley again, like I said, the voice of reason, right? We don't have to like each other; we just have to work here. And of course, it's not good enough for Michael. And uh, as he do it as Stanley, as he said, <laughs> like the Reverend Rodney King said, "Can't we all just get along?" <laughs> And, and, and again, you know, like you said, so how is he going to fix it? How, I, you know, did he fix? I wonder if he fixed the thing with his mom and Jeff. You think he, uh, think he solved that one? Well, this is what Michael comes up with to try to gather everyone together. Hey, hey, everybody! Something happened. Those guys from Vance Refrigeration—they let the air out of our tires. What? Yeah, they punked us. They punked us good. Why doesn't your car have a flat tire? Why? Because they saved the worst for me. They put a hate note under my windshield wiper. Check this out. It's so hateful. You guys suck. You can never pull together as one and revenge us. That is why you suck. For crying out loud. No, 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 no. You are falling for it. You are playing right into their hands. This is just what they want you to do. This is egregious. Trust me, it only gets worse. Is he always like this? Sometimes he brings more costumes. Mm. When do people work? Well, we find little times during the day. How are we going to get home? Bob Vance has an ear pump. He said he'd fill all our tires up. Bob Vance is Vance Refrigeration. See that? Mission accomplished. Like a bunch of fourth graders. Sometimes what brings the kids together is hating the lunch lady. Although that'll change. Because by the end of the fourth grade, the lunch lady was actually the person I hung out with the most. Ouch. That's all I got to say about that last line. Um, Almost heartbreaking. That, I know. It's like, how can we feel, how can we not feel sympathetic for Michael with this pathetic childhood that he's had? Um, You know, a a couple things out of this. Now, first off, he came up with this scheme thinking that it would be some kind of big team building exercise to go like screw with fans refrigeration. But the way that it turns out is, of course, that when they're in the parking lot, everyone realizes that Michael has engineered this in some fashion. And, uh, and they no go back. It was the note that gave it away. <laughs> you think? Well, as he said, you know, this is egregious. This is what some people brought up. Uh, again, on the, I, in, on the blog page, some people mentioned the fact that, oh, this is his plan all along, that he wanted them to know he did this, that they would get together. Because that's how it turns out, is that they do bond because they everyone thinks Michael's an idiot, so we can bond together with that. Now, Michael himself kind of plays off on that in, in that line by saying, well, they all have to hate the, the lunch lady, but in no way was that intentional, that the no, plan worked out that Michael way. way too much credit. And the main reason is because Michael would never come up with the plan that made people dislike him. I mean, he right. would never do that on purpose. Now, it worked out that they're getting along, and he's going to take credit for that, but uh, I imagine that he hates that. He doesn't want these people to be talking against him. Now, that's what a normal boss would do, of course, is realize that uh, the employees do unite in their hatred or enmity for the boss, but that's not Michael. But anyway, however it worked out, it worked out, and we have our our new people integrated into the office, and, and Karen learns her place and learns who Bob Vance is. And everyone else uh, seems set for a harmonious future together. And I guess we will see in two weeks just how harmonious 
that could be. The last thing that comes up in the episode is something that I really think, personally, we talked about this before, and I, I really think this is kind of ridiculous that they did not deal with this earlier in the episode. Uh, but Michael gets a call from Jan, and we already knew this from last week, that Jim had been offered the job as the number two in the Scranton office. But, of course, it comes as a total surprise to Michael and everyone else. So, after a great deal of thought and introspective, Shun, I have decided to make Jim my new number two. If he even wants it. It doesn't come with a pay raise. No, it does, actually. So who will be your new number three? Uh, that I have not decided yet. Michael, I yep. would just like to say that you have handled this entire situation with great aplomb. Thank you, Andy. That's very kind. Thank and you. I have to say that your leadership Shut has brought... It. Shut it. Fuck up. So a few things there. And the biggest thing that I, I, I said before is uh, we were talking about this. I mean, first off, I, I, obviously they did this as a plot device. They didn't want the episode to, do, to be about this. Right, but yeah, I think that yeah, the episode, I think the episode really should have been about this because it's a huge, it's a huge change in the structure of the office. I mean, Jim, obviously, you'd think that if you're moving to a new office and you're the, supposed to be the second in charge, that you would actually coordinate that with your boss on some level before you came down there. Um, you know, Michael not knowing, not reading the memo, as if Jan wouldn't call him and tell him something like that of that importance, I guess beforehand, but. Uh, the most egregious thing, if I can borrow that word, is the fact that last season, before Jim left, I mean, we literally had Dwight threatening to quit if Jim kept working there in the office. And I, I kept waiting for this explosion where, where Dwight would just go nuts finding out that Jim was his boss, and they didn't even bring it up. I mean, he just instantly went into, oh, okay, well, who's number three? And I just I, I I found that a little hard to believe. I don't know what was your take on that. That's a, yeah, that's a really good point. I guess what I was thinking was that maybe Dwight just didn't want to make a scene there in front of everyone, but not that that's happened before. Um, yeah, like I said, that one that uh, the episode last year before Casino Night, where where uh, they were doing the conflict resolution. I mean, literally, Dwight flipped out. I mean, he was screaming and just going nuts saying that he demanded Jim be fired and uh, that they couldn't work together anymore and all that kind of stuff and and maybe he's mellowed somewhat but just for him to roll over and accept Jim as his boss uh I don't know man I I found that really hard to believe and I hope that they deal with that in the next few episodes yeah they probably will I, mean, I think there's some definitely some rich material to mine from there but yeah I don't I don't think this episode, I, I know this is where you and I disagree, I don't think this episode was the place for it. Well, probably not. I mean, there was so much stuff going on anyway. But, you know, again, I mean, that, that would have changed the whole episode, really. If he, would, if he came in as somebody that was a boss, um, you know, that would have changed, I think, a lot of things. It would have changed Ryan from screwing with him, trying to take his chair. Sure. Uh, would have changed just a lot of the ways that people dealt with him. Uh, but, you know, again, like I said, they had too much stuff going on, so hopefully they will address that. And that actually brings us back to the ending, the very last emotional, you know, the, the payoff scene here with Jim and Pam. Once again in the parking lot, once again at night, uh, echoing, obviously, the, the final parking lot scene from Casino Night. Sort of similar outcomes, unfortunately, but with uh, Jim and Pam's roles reversed. Hey! Hey. I thought you had already left. Uh, no. I just uh, had some 
other stuff I had to do. Good. What's up? Oh, nothing. I just feel bad. I feel like things were a little weird today or something. What do you mean? I just think I should tell you that I sort of started seeing someone. And, oh, uh, that's totally cool. You can do whatever you want. Uh, okay, uh, good. We're friends. We'll always be friends. Right. It's good to have you back. Yeah, good to be back. So, yeah, you can do whatever you want. That's not really a friend line. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jim obviously take, is taken aback by that somewhat. Um, before we the, before the clip that we played, they they showed him in the car. He was actually talking on the phone to Karen, uh, mm-hmm. you know, bantering back and forth. And then she invites him back to her place to hang out, and he accepts. He says, "Yeah, sure." Uh, so again, this is getting into that whole argument: is are they really going out or not? Um, you know, my instinct is to say, "Yeah, it seems like they are." Obviously, he uh, he kind of pushed off Pam going out with her after work to do something with Karen. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, again, the more I think about that, this is the reason why I somewhat sort of buy it is this. He thinks he feels that things are awkward in the office, okay? He maybe thinks that Pam sees him as some pathetic guy who has a big crush on her and who got rejected, right? None of us right. wants, none of us want to hang around with someone who we think likes us that, you know, that we don't like, Right. Um, and as a guy, you definitely don't want a girl to think that you're some kind of puppy dog who loves her when she rejects you. So he could have maybe said that to throw her off the scent to say, hey, I'm over you. Uh, I'm going out with someone else. Um, you know, maybe that'll get rid of the awkwardness and we can just go back to kind of being friends. But, you know, it doesn't really work. It sort of falls apart. Her reaction is obviously so negative to the fact that, you know, how can you not think that, uh, that she's pissed off by you saying that. I don't know. You know, you can do whatever you want. That's pretty, that's not friend talk. And then you have, there's another theory, which was mentioned in the comments, was that, you know, he said that he was going out with somebody, hoping that Pam would, would react. Well, and that's kind of what what, uh, what was brought up in, uh, in one of the emails and one of the comments, too, where we were talking about the comparison between the U.K. and the U.S. versions. Uh, and someone mentioned that, you know, on the, on the British show, uh, Tim has this other relationship, and that causes Dawn to just kind of like really ramp things up and get jealous. So, you know, again, it seems like they're going and kind of maybe in that same same direction here that uh, now Pam kind of has to, she wants him. She's going to have to fight for him a little bit more, maybe step it up a little bit more. And, you know, maybe they're going to totally go away from that plot line. That also, you know, that could be interesting. Um, I think they would frustrate a lot of people. But, may, you know, what if they just made it so that they never got together and that was just the end of it? Pam oh, goes back. heads would explode. Pam goes back with Roy and, uh, and Jim and Karen hook up, and that's just the way life goes sometimes. So, What team are you on, by the way? Have you said for certain? Oh, I am on Team Candy, actually. I want, to see, <laughs> I want to see Karen and Andy hook up. That's what oh, I'm oh, Team Candy. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> or Angelandy. <laughs> How about that one? Nice. Yeah, I'm trying to make yeah, up a new one every shirts. episode. <laughs> every episode I'm trying to make up a new pairing because last week we had Angeloy and, uh, and now we have Angelandy. So let's see. In any event. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just a fact. Oh, yeah, this is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? Yeah. Oh, the waste paper basket. Yeah. Why didn't uh 
going to get it. You put it in the garbage cabinet with a special filing cabinet. Yeah! Ah, uh, that was a joke. All right, just a few news items this week. Uh, first up on the list, uh, as we see, John Krasinski is officially too sexy for his shirt, according to People Magazine, anyway. He uh, made the 2006 list of the sexiest men, alongside such hot boys as uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Johnny Depp, Tay Diggs, Ashton Kutcher, and the official 2006 winner, George Clooney. So uh, check out that magazine. That up yet? Uh, it's enshrined on my nightstand, my friend. Now, we had people uh, People were complaining that I posted that sexy Jenna Fisher picture on the blog page. So, it's a little payback there, folks. I got you a sexy Krasinski picture on the blog page as well. So, hope you enjoy it in feature films and other projects. Uh, Christopher Guest's newest mockumentary called For Your Consideration, which takes aim at Hollywood and Oscar uh, pretensions features cameos by both John Krasinski and Ricky Gervais, so check that out if it comes to your area. Uh, This week we also had a Parade Magazine article, Favorite Tech Devices of the Office cast. They interviewed uh, Jenna Fisher, BJ Novak, John Krasinski, Rain Wilson, and Steve Carell. Uh, the most popular gadget, well, uh, the BlackBerry, apparently, because both Jenna and John and also BJ said that they were addicted to the thing. Uh, Rain still loves his trio, but uh, Steve Carell has come out as being a Luddite. He does not use technology, does not like technology. Um, BJ Novak commented on the fact that while the rest of them are sitting around thumb typing that Steve Carell is actually a human being that interacts with people. You must be jesting, Ian. Actually, uh, unfortunately, this was uh, a little bit old, but on November 16th, John Krasinski was doing a reading in New York City at the uh, Housing Works Used Book Cafe for the 10th anniversary of David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest. Uh, John Krasinski was reading from the book, uh, Todd Hansen from The Onion, Lev Grossman from Time Magazine and Laura Miller from Salon were all reading and reading from and talking about that 10 million page tome. So, I was going to say what they weren't telling you is that it took them 10 years to finish the book. All those people <laughs> were actually just finishing it right there. <laughs> that sounds like something that would have been pretty cool if I actually lived in the area and if I did have a time machine to go back and uh, get to last week Wednesday. Oh, we know but, that. We know that Krasinski is like a huge David Foster Wallace fan. Right, and we know that uh, one of his big projects is that he's adapting and uh, directing a version of Wallace's, uh, what was it called, Stories of Hideous Men? Brief Interviews with Hideous Men. Okay, there you go. And you just uh, bought that on Amazon, I heard. I did. Well, let us know how that turns out. Well, some good news with the ratings this week. Uh, I don't know if it's supersized trickery or if people are just getting sick of average-looking uh fashion assistance, but uh, The Office and My Name is Earl for the first time this year won the ratings. Well, no, they didn't win. They came in second place in the ratings battle for that 8 p.m. Eastern time block. So they, uh, CBS still won with Survivor. NBC was second. And Ugly Betty, ABC, came in third. And this is, of course, with that target demographic of 18 to 49-year-olds. Do you so. s- who the hell... Do you know anyone who watches Survivor anymore? I do not, but uh, I don't get out much. So. Obviously, yeah, me either. <laughs> in any event. Now, um, unfortunately, guys, next week there is no new episode of The Office. 
for the Thanksgiving holiday. And um, the way things are looking right now, I, Ian and I are going to be taking a much-needed vacation next week as well. So I don't think right now that we are going to have a new episode of That's What She Said for next week. So join us, though, for the week of November 30th, where we have The Convict, the episode written by Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, which has Michael trying to be supportive when he finds out one of his new employees has a prison record. Jim also gives Andy some dubious coaching when Andy decides to make a move on Pam. So there you go, guys. Hmm. Two weeks, and we shall see what happens. Whoa. Video iPod. I can't find an iPod. I know this Russian website where you can download songs for two cents a piece. I'll take the iPod. iPod. Everyone wants the iPod. This is awesome. I know. Totally gonna change the way I work out. The iPod. Maybe I should have taken the iPod. I want the iPod. Oh, shoot. All right, guys, this week, the rap stylings of Michael Scott and Dwight Schrute. This is the unedited full edition of Lazy Scranton. So let's just all laugh together and watch Lazy Scranton. Sitting in my office with a plate of grilled bacon. Call a man twice just to see what was shaking. Yo, Mike, our town is dope and pretty. So check out how we live. In the electric city. They call it Scranton. What? The electric city. Scranton. What? The electric city. Lazy Scranton, the electric city. They call it that because of the electricity. The city's laid out from east to west, and a public parking libraries are truly the best. Call poison control if you're bit by a spider. But check that it's covered by your health care provider. Are you hungry? Well, quit your wine and the new downtown has five-star dining. You like coal mines and you want to see them? Well, check it out, yo. The Anthracite Museum. Don't think to do that several and counting. The endless place to go is Montage Mountain. Plenty of space in the parking lot. But the little cars go in the compact spot. Spot, 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 spot. Snack attack time. Don't lose your head. We like Cuginas for the tasty bread. They call it Scranton. What? The electric city. 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 Scranton. what? Oh, come on. Great Scott. <laughs> so glad to see a return of the great Scott. <laughs> Little outro again. Oh man, that was pure gold. <laughs> There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I gotta erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot of stuff. All right, well, first up this week in our emails, we have uh, an email from a new listener. Elisa writes, I must say this episode only solidified the fact that I totally love Toby Flenderson. And there had to be somebody out there. I completely identify with his soft-spoken but quite witty nature. What was up with Jim dissing Toby's new handshake? Sure, it was out of character, but Jim didn't have to be a dick and point it out. Yes, we agree, as we mentioned before. I've had quite a few awkward Toby-esque moments myself. Jim and Ryan may be the young, slick office hotties, but Toby Flenderson has a charm all his own. In the words of Kevin, I would so hit that. 
Okay, Elisa. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you should email Toby. I think he, uh... <laughs> yeah, Paul Lieberstein might be interested in hearing that. Um, keep he up has the MySpace page. You that. That's true. Keep up the awesome work. I'm spreading the word about your show to my other office obsessed buddies. Well, thanks, Elisa. And I'm sure that uh, the competition for Toby Flunderson is probably not that crowded. So do your best. <laughs> Next. Okay, this was posted on the blog by Joanna. You guys frequently mentioned that the U.S. and U.K. versions won't follow the same plot lines. I completely agree, even though we see similarities throughout. The fact that the U.S. version has had three times as many episodes is evidence enough. The outcomes of certain situations are very different. Characters and their personalities are very different. I have a bet with a friend about Pam and Roy. My friend thinks they will get back together. I say, no way, Jose. There's a Dwight bobblehead riding on the outcome. Well, the Dwight bobblehead is pretty sweet, but you know what? I don't know. I, I almost sort of wish that they would, just to screw with people, just to screw with us. But uh, ultimately, I don't know. I, they've been trying their best to make him more sympathetic this season. But, um, you know, now that Jim's back in the picture, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I have a feeling, you know, possibly, you know, if, if she sees Pam and uh, you know, uh, Jim and Karen together that maybe she might backslide but uh, I don't think they're going to go back there alright let's see Melanie also on the blog page says I was thinking today about the possibility of Steve Carell leaving and I really hope that if it ever comes to that they just end the show honestly I don't want the office to end but I'd much rather that it ends while it's still good than have the bitter taste of a new horrid se- a few horrid seasons to sour my love for the show uh, there are more than a few series that have gone on far longer than they ought to have, and it would break my heart if that happened with The Office. You know, I, I I pretty much agree. I mean, we mentioned this the other week about how we thought, you know, maybe they could refill the role. And I, I still think that they could. I mean, obviously from these last few scrap, uh, you know episodes with the Stanford cast that we've, you know, we've come to really like some of these new characters. So who knows? Maybe they could do it. Also from the blog is a frequent commenter, Nomi says, my problem at the moment with this episode is that I can hardly remember the funny parts because of the sad and frustrating Jim and Pam scene at the end. For the whole series, they've done something that I think is very difficult. They make a true and gut-wrenching love story the heart of a comedy. They've been remarkably successful. I'd say that they're still pulling it off, but this season I can see the wheels turning a lot more than last. Yeah, I became a person who yells at a TV when Pam couldn't do better than the we're friends thing, when Jim obviously wanted her to give him a reason to sort of stop seeing someone. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's true, I guess. Uh, you know, and that is the thing. In an ideal world, because I was just thinking about this earlier, that um, in like a perfect world, I guess, ending it after Casino Night would have sort of been the ultimate series finale. If they would have done it like that. I hated that. Well, I don't know. Would they have hated it? Pam and Jim would have got, you know, would have ended with a kiss, and that would have kind of been the end. And then you could just imagine that they go off happily ever after. And oh, I, that ending! I thought you meant the literal. No, 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 no. Uh, I mean, I mean that when when he comes in and, and they kiss, and then then it ends. Uh, that would have been, you know, a, almost a perfect series ending because you, you know, at that point the relationship, the will they, won't they, was still fresh. Uh, it, it wasn't dragging on too far, and that's really the the only danger that I think the show has is if they, you know, if they go to that well, we've seen that in show after show that as soon, you know, if they, if they bank on sexual tension, they have to either have them break up or get together. And either way, 
it usually ends up having problems for the show. So I'm hoping that they can still walk that tightrope this season and make us care about the characters. Um, I can't see them doing it for like two or three more years, though. I think we'll all be a little tired of it at that point. Um, After my rant on the blog page originally about how I didn't like the episode, uh, Moose said, Actually, I thought this was one of the best episodes this season. The thing I missed most about Jim being in Stanford were those classic Dwight-Jim moments, and I thought it was brilliant how Jim immediately responded to Dwight's attempt at intimidating him upon his return. Yeah, we talked about that before, I agree. Uh, Jim knows exactly what buttons to push. As for Jim Pam, Moose says, Good! Pam deserves a little of her own medicine. I love the symmetry of the roles being reversed, and instead of Jim being constantly shot down while Pam went home with Roy every night, Pam will now get to see what she missed out on and is missing out on. If they got together this episode, the series would be over. Well, yeah, obviously we We're going to put Moose on Team Karen. <laughs> well, I don't think so, but I think that we, you know... I guess it is fair to say that Pam is getting a taste of her own medicine, and, and maybe that'll help her make her realize what she needs to do. Um, next. Finally, from Megan, also posting on the blog, she says, I do not understand all this Pam hate. She's doing exactly what Jim does to Dwight, and nobody complains about Jim. Pam making Dwight run around the building was one of the few laugh-out-loud moments in this episode for me. Jenna Fisher is hilarious. I think Pam has evolved into a much more interesting, colorful, and realistic character now that she's on her own. Everybody needs to back off. Do we really want to see quiet, mousy Pam for the rest of the series? Really? If anything, I find Jim to be lame lately. He looks like somebody just kicked his puppy, and I'm tired of it. Maybe once he and Pam start having lots of Helpeasley babies, he'll chip her up. Yeah, you see how that catches on? Helpeasley. There you go. I coined that oh, I myself. I said how peasy. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, in any case, you know what the point is? And um, we talked about this before. I mean, the fact that Pam does seem to be getting mean. And the opening, the, the cold open where she basically addresses the camera and even talks about that, am I being mean? Um, you know, see, part of what, uh, what I think that we saw last season is that Jim realized that all this stuff where he spent his whole day getting revenge on Dwight was ultimately meaningless. And that was why why he decided to move. One of the reasons, aside from the Pam thing, is that he just said, you know, all these things I do to Dwight, that's how I spend my day. You know, I got to be a bigger person than that. And I guess to see Pam still doing that, it's maybe for me anyway, it's getting kind of, it's kind of bordering on being a little too, too cruel, a little too mean. But I thought it was a nice moment though. It was fancy new existential Beasley. (laughs) Yeah, that, that is true. I, I, I guess I just, I didn't, you know, Dwight was kind of a real dick to Toby, so I guess he... No, there's no kind of about it. He was being a dick and deserved... He deserved what Pam did. Well, come on, though. Dwight is faster than a black pepper snake. He deserves... And he could beat a mild time while on a skateboard. He deserves to be heard, but no. I mean, you're right. I mean, he he was a dick, and I guess you could say he deserved it, but... um, I don't know. That's kind of the same thing that we said with the on-again, off-again. You just can't keep doing the same thing where every episode they just do something to Dwight because I think that gets a little old after a while but with these new characters I'm just again I think it opens up a lot more interaction between all these characters so we will see what happens 
And uh, that's going to about do it for us this week, folks. Join us then in two weeks about this time for episode 9.0, The Convict. Please send any comments or constructive compliments to twsspodcast at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at that'swhatshesaid.libsyn.com. And that's L-I-B-S-Y-N. And uh, like I said before, you said this other weeks, we're getting quite a little community built up there on the blog page. We generally have about 30, 40 comments you know, per episode. So uh, if you are interested, if you want to participate, just feel free to stop on by. You don't have to register or do anything. Just leave your name. Uh, if you have a chance, please leave positive feedback on iTunes and spread the word in the various The Office-related forums. Every little bit helps. And uh, like so far, I've gotten 29 reviews on iTunes, so that is much oh, nice. appreciated. It's, uh, reviews really show iTunes that we are important and that we might deserve to be focused on, featured on that main page. So keep it up, guys. Thanks a lot. Incidental music for the episode was provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. And let's give Andy and Dwight the last word this week. <coughs> idiot. <coughs> You're the idiot. Nice comeback. I was making fun of your comeback. That's why it hurt. Totally got the best of that interchange. What is love? Go home, Toby.